is activism killing, you know, the very good it claims to fight for? I mean, what we've seen in the Pride Parade. It's just the latest, I think, to be hijacked by a handful of a very social, you know, and vocal activists and Black Lives Matters. I mean, they know they've got the power. They know how to get the politicians to work for them. And they've, they've played it so many times that they know that people will fall in line to their demands. And it buys them, you know, whatever they want. And politicians will bend and they get short-term peace. It doesn't solve the issues. But here we go again. You know, we've got activist groups calling the shots. And it's not about diminishing the needs or concerns of anyone who's a marginalized group or person. But, you know, as my next guest writes about in a recent column, the endless sectional movements that pop up on a regular basis, he says, are actually amplifying the very systems of racism, sexism and inequalities they're supposedly fighting against. Teodros Fikre is his name. He's out of Washington. He's also the editor of Guion Journal. He joins me now. Teodros, it seems like we're at a tipping point when it comes to activist causes. You know, uh, pride is being derailed again because, you know, a small number of Black Lives Matter, because they're not nearly as big as is that in the United States, have managed to once again, you know, push the cops out and everyone kind of buckles to this. Why do politicians not feel that they can? How did this group get so much power? I think, you know, first and foremost, let me just say this. Um, I, I wrote an article recently uh, about sectional movements, right? Um, so the frustrations that people have within the movements, uh, my, my, whatever stance that I have against sectionalism is not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, focused on the participants. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times folks have a way of, of getting so frustrated that they let their emotions get ahead of them. Um, so... You know, this happens not only with, with Black Lives Matter, it happens with the movement, the, the Women's March in D.C., for example, uh, the, the Tea Party, whatever. Every time uh, people's uh, emotions get stirred up, uh, they, they, they have a way of letting uh, radicals kind of hijack the, uh, the, their movement. So uh, this, I, I think, is endemic, not of just uh, Black Lives Matter, but of, of society as a whole, where, where we're letting uh, our, our individual grievances overcome the, the 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 various frustrations that we all have in common. Right. Um, so I, I think that's the, that's really the crux of it. It's demagogues are, are forced upon us to 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 really uh, pit us against each other, and what gets lost in the process is that I think the the vast majority of us are kind of upset about the same things, but we we let radicals or or demagogues uh, hijack movements, and then and then ends up uh, furthering this, the very device that we should be fighting against. You write in in an article that I read and why I you know you came onto my radar. You said, "quote The endless sectional movement that pop up on a regular basis are actually amplifying the very systems of racism, sexism, and inequalities they're supposedly fighting against." It's almost as if activism is now cannibalizing itself. It is, of course. I think that's the purpose of it, right? Um, the the reason why a mainstream media, uh, the reason why politicians. Uh, the, the reason why, quote unquote, the status quo uh, keeps focusing on our differences is to get us distracted from the fact that I think, for the most part, most of us, if we're upset, want the same things. We want opportunity, uh, equality, uh, fairness. Uh, you know, the ability to to go to work and 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 take home enough to take care of our children and 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 be able to uh, pay the rent and and have a decent life. And so, whether you're black, white. Whether you're you're a man or a woman, uh, whether you're gay or straight, uh, or whatever ideology that you uh, you latch onto, for the most part, these are the core things that we all want. 
but we get so start our emotions get so stirred up that we get uh, distracted from the things that we all want, and we, we we kind of end up ghettoizing ourselves. Sure, and and that's what sexual sexual movements end up being counterproductive because it takes away from a broad coalition that we could be having. And, 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 and splinter society instead. You know, by identity politics to me, and you, you may agree or not, uh, Teodros, to, it is the cancer of politics. And, and I blame, you know, the start of it, certainly in my country, um, on Obama, because Obama, the Obama administration was great at kind of wedging their opponent on on, on issues. And we have a lot of that that has come here, uh, the Obama um, uh, campaign. A lot of them worked with the current liberal government when they were campaigning in that. And so what we're starting to see, and it's still so prevalent in politics, both on the left and the right, where it's this constant identity you know, politics where you shut down any debate uh, by targeting the person you're trying to talk to uh, with you know, racist or sexist comments just to, to stifle the debate. And I think it's going to be our undoing. Well, so I'm, I'm, I don't hold any punches about my criticism when it comes to Obama. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> by the way, I used to be a pretty uh, avid supporter of his up until I realized he was kind of continuing the same, the same things that, that he said he was going to end up against. So for me, what I see, uh, Obama is, is just a continuation of the, the identity politics, which have been used to, to, to slice and dice America and really Canada and, and throughout every corner of the world. Uh, I come from Ethiopia, for example, and there's identity politics in Ethiopia as well. Africa was colonized because tribes were, were, were splintered apart and one tribe was elevated, the rest we're told that your problem is that one tribe that's elevated, and then that's how uh, friction, uh, you know, gets forced upon the people. They end up fighting each other instead of realizing that uh, the, the, the issue is coming from the top. Um, so, I, you know, as, as hard as I am on, on Obama, I'm not going to sit up here and say Obama started this. This has been going on for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And when I speak against identity politics, it's not to discount. The, the frustrations that people have within those, core, those manufactured identities. And when I say manufactured identities, uh, you know, we're not human beings have a lot more in common than the labels that we accept. So a white farmer in Kansas has, has you know, struggling the same way that a, a black uh, minimum wage worker is in Chicago mm-hmm. or, in, or in Ottawa or in Toronto. So we're all interconnected uh, by, by the, the, the struggles that, that we're kind of outraged about. But, but Paul, do you not agree that politicians are exploiting this and, and activist groups are yes. exploiting it? Yes, yeah. exactly. So when I speak out against identity politics, I'm not talking about the people that are. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm talking about the politicians, the, the demagogues who, you know, cunningly uh, go after these specific audiences and tell them, hey, the, the other group is doing this to you and I'm the key to your, your, your redemption. And that's a lie. What they're doing is they're actually inciting antagonism and their inciting emotions, and they don't have any solutions at all to, to present to them. They just want the, the continuation of the, the various injustices that they rail against because their money, their status, uh, their, their clout depends on the status quo remaining. So, you know, politicians, when I'm talking about identity politics, I'm talking about, for example, Kamala Harris, yep. uh, who, who just announced her candidacy in America. Uh, even Trump is doing the same thing. He, Trump is doing the same thing to his audience, to his base that, that Obama did. They're, they're all doing this. Sure. Left or right, they're all doing this. And so we as a people, irrespective of, of, our, of our, you know, external traits or irrespective of what we believe, need to realize 
that the 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 very few that are agitating us have nothing. Um, they don't have our interests in mind. And no, so, they, they make a big gain from it. It keeps them in power. How do you stop exactly. it, though? Because, you know, I'll take the one incident with Pride, you know, our gay Pride parade, which is now, you know, the cops aren't allowed. And, and even in, in addressing it with the mayor, who happens to be white and not gay, the questioning of the mayor is, well, you're not gay and you're you're white, so how can you even comment on this issue? Well, that, that to me, is everything wrong with A, you know, if that's the way journalism's going, but B, if that's where we're going, we're doing Hmm. Well, that, this is exactly what the purpose of sexualizing a, a society is, right? right. As long as you, they, they try to get you to believe that only you or only somebody that looks like you uh, knows your pain, right. but those people that they're, they're elevating to be our spokesperson are, or spokespeople are not, they don't have any interest in, in mending the, uh, the, the wounds. So as long as, you know, Anyone else that comes in and speaks against that spokesperson, for example, is then dismissed because they're told, well, you're not, you don't even know what it feels like to be like me. But I think for the most part, all of us, even though our pains might be different and the way that we experience things might be different, you know, at the end of the day, we're all <laughs> throwing the burdens of economic anxieties and financial uncertainties. And so th- this is the, the thing, by the way, that Martin Luther King spoke about yeah. when he went to Memphis, when he ultimately was assassinated, it was because he, uh, he wanted to go and, and, and organize the, the sanitation workers and to, to bridge the divides between black and white, between all these various uh, subsets of, of, of groups that, that have been manufactured, and to let them know that there is a unifying uh, purpose to everyone, or the, uh, and a unifying, to create a unifying movement. And that really uh, was a threat. Anyone that's, that, that tries to agitate based on identity or ideology is, is not a threat to the status quo. It's the people that, and this goes back to a biblical time. It goes, you know, prophets that try to, to unify people are always the ones that are getting silenced one way or the other. The ones that, that, that incite emotions are embraced uh, by, you know, for example, politicians or, or the, the agitators that you see on mainstream media, they're embraced by the, uh, by the status quo because they're doing the job of the status quo. Yeah, and it makes them an awful lot of money. Uh, Teodros, yeah. i gotta, I got to let you go. If I had half an hour more, I'd stay on with you, but I will have you on again. I really appreciate your insight into this. It's a pleasure talking to you. I'd like to look forward to talking to you again in the future. That is uh, Teodros uh, Ficre. Teodros. Teodros. He's got an interesting name. And uh, you can read his writings in uh, Gion Journal, G-H-I-O-N Journal. He's an independent writer out of the U.S. I thought he, I just discovered him over the weekend. I thought he had such an interesting perspective at how he comes at things. Wanted to get him on here on Point on Global News Radio.